Hello and welcome to Movie Theater Time Machine, the show where we keep it real to real. And today we talk about a very early MGM production that also had touches with uh, uh, Disney as well. Uh, Does that <laughs> and, and, explain all the animation I was not yeah, expecting? Yeah, actually, I, I did some research on that. I'll get to that later. But oh. uh, I'm Nick. And I'm Kaz. And uh, Dan and Josh are taking another week off just to uh, recover. Um, we wish you well, guys. So hopefully everything's all right. But they're doing better. Yeah. But, you know, still need a little more time. Yeah. So this is... Uh, so we're here with the... I guess Nudge gets to be the podcat. Yeah. That's true, yeah. So for um, uh, yeah. Uh, future months... Yeah. We have the 1956 classic, The For... A Forbidden Planet, which stars a very young Leslie Nielsen. With brown hair. I, like, it took me a little bit to realize who the hell this was. Oh, God. I don't know about you, but I just look, I'm like, wait a minute, like, that's Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, I know. I was like, it's just... I had difficulty figuring out and not helping this movie is, despite, I don't want to sound like, yeah. Some kind of SJW who wants yeah. to rag on white guys or, or anything, but it's just uh, for a future where they're talking, where they mention things like, "Oh yes, men and women have been on the moon and colonies and stuff." Why do you have this ship of all white guys with the same, pretty much yeah. the same haircut and the same goddamn uniforms? Yeah, I can understand they're trying the hair color. Yeah, they're like they're trying to make it like very military like. I, I, I can understand that, but, but it, it's it just kind of I'm. I know I'm not dumb, but yeah. it just makes it a little, just a little more harder for me to remember who the fuck is who. Just can somebody have like blonde hair, right? Or a tasteful goatee, like besides uh, Morbius, but he lives on the planet that they're visiting. So, yeah. or, or even Star Trek color coded their uniforms, so you, at least you had more colors than gray. Right. Yeah. Although, were the hmm? the V. The V-neck with the stripes was that reminiscent of sailor uniforms? Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, I thought their uniforms were kind of nice. Uh, I just felt like they could have yeah. used a little more yeah. flair and. Well, that yeah, that was like you know, it's very much military. Like they're using a lot of naval terms. I noticed. Oh yeah, but yeah. that's kind of been a a thing with space yeah. travel for a while. Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, this is uh, this. Does is that a... mean there's a poop deck? <laughs> <laughs> this is a very, very, very famous movie. I mean, starring obviously Leslie Nielsen and Francis and Walter Pigeon. But most importantly, yeah. Robbie the robot. Yeah, Walter Pigeon actually is one of those that uh, you know is a very big like silver screen star. Is he Morbius? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Doctor. Yeah, Doctor Morbius. But he was in a movie in 1973 called Harry in Your Pocket. <laughs> Which what? I know nothing about it, and I don't want to go any further into it. <laughs> Sounds like a Beavis and Butthead uh, prank call. Exactly. Harry Shacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Let's call that Harry Thacks dude again. <laughs> oh, God, it was a great episode. So I, I picked <sighs> this because it takes place in the future, and I was curious because, I mean, pop cultural osmosis, I've seen and heard of Robbie the right. Robot. Didn't know much about him. Yeah. And I was kind of curious about Leslie Nielsen doing a non-comedy thing and with brown it's hair. very weird. 
Like, Leslie Nielsen was, you know, people forget, Leslie Nielsen was a very serious actor for a very long time. Am I the you only know? one that, does everybody else confuse him with Steve Martin, too? It's easy to say that because Steve Martin has always been that white-haired older guy for so you know, forever. That's how I think of Leslie yeah, Nielsen. Yeah, but I mean Leslie Nielsen was one of like he he really got in the mainstream, you know, when um, like when Airplane came out, mm. and he basically played that exact same character. For, you know, with different, you know, different <laughs> names, of course. But, he, like, he was in Scary Movie 4 where he played the president. He was the playing, like, bitch. he was playing a Bill, like, a Bill Clinton type. But it was still that. that exact same character. Uh, basically, it, yeah. the, the straight man. Yeah. Yeah, but he really, like, you know, he you know what he could do was he could say funny things very seriously. Yeah. And then that's, that's basically been him. And, you know, he's just, it's very, it's very, very, very weird to see him here. But What I find weird about um, seeing him in this movie, aside from the whole, oh my god, he has brown hair, is, and not doing comedy, but Mm. it's just, I don't know, um, there wasn't anything particularly memorable about his performance as a serious... Uh, or at least in this movie, it was, I don't know, competent, but nothing really memorable. No. I mean, this movie itself is very famous for Robbie the Robot and also the uh, the C-57D ship. The UFO? Yeah. Like, it's it's one of the first to depict... Saucer. Yeah, it's one of the first to depict it that way. Oh. And I mean, this was also uh, had the night the, the first to have the 1950s era look. Um, had but it was a, color, so that yeah. was nice. Yeah, a lot of like this this uh, depiction of that actually inspired a lot of it. And then the 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 three miniatures were used quite a bit in the Twilight Zone. What, what miniatures? The miniatures of the ship. Oh, okay. That they were, yeah, that they were used for that were used in the Twilight Zone, including like Neat. the uh, the monsters in Maple Street, the uh, the probably the most famous one, um, the Invaders. Which one was that? The one with the old lady on the planet alone. Oh, yeah. So to serve man, the Death Ship, ah. and uh, you know, and uh, Hocus Pocus and Frisbee. Um, which the, the, mo- the monsters do on Maple Street is actually one of my absolute favorites. Do you think ever? Yeah. Were flying saucers popular when this depiction was around, or did this kind of feed or inspire? Well, I think? there were a lot of um, this. Really, was what's what inspired a lot of it. Mm. You know, according to what I'm reading right here. So, I mean, this was also in the 50s. There were also a, there was a huge thing about flying saucers. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was a huge, huge thing. And it had to do a lot with the fact that we weren't at war. Mm. You know, the Korean War ended in 1953 and we didn't really pick up in Vietnam until years later, until the 60s. Wouldn't that be a crazy ending for MASH if yeah. it turned out they didn't know the war ended years and years ago? Yeah. Oh, God. The, yeah. the Twilight Zone, but MASH. Yeah. <laughs> it's meta now. M-E-T-A. With, uh, yeah, with the little asterisks. <laughs> but the... Um, oh, man, I just lost my train of thought on that. 
but the uh, you know, but that, there was a big craze about UFOs because there was um, also Roswell. Yeah, Roswell, and also Ronald, <laughs> Ronald Reagan was really big with it too, even though he wasn't president until the eighties. But mm-hmm. he was also one of the he was the head of the uh, Screen Actors Guild. And he always said to studios, it's like he often thought about what if we had a true invasion? What if we did have UFOs? How how much our, uh, you know, our country-to-country problems would go just melt away? Now I'm thinking, I'm imagining what if uh, Independence Day had been filmed in the 50s instead? Yeah, yeah. It would be a lot less impressive. Yeah, it, it, well, I mean, in my opinion, personal, I don't think it was really the best movie. I don't remember much except you know the iconic expl- explosion scene. Yeah, it was. Meh. I mean, it was. It was okay. Will Smith was pretty good in it, but you know, okay, you have to defeat aliens by giving them a virus. Wait, that—that's how it happened. I thought they had to do something to their computer, like fly into the. Yeah. So it's a cross between War of the Worlds and Star Wars. War of the Worlds and basically it I was say, like I said Star yeah. Wars, right? Yeah, War of the I Worlds guess. and basically nineties uh, computer geek stuff. We'll give them a virus. It'll screw up their ship, and they'll just go away. That's yeah. how. That's how it happened. You Y two K the aliens away. Yeah, it, it, pretty much. That's it. It's. Um, but also, this movie itself was really the biggest popular thing. Is Robbie the robot? Um, it was one of the first films ever that depicted robots as more than just a tin can on legs. Um, which, do they mean in personality or in appearance? Cause, uh, yeah, display, display, displays the uh, distinct personality ah. and integral supporting part. He was, you know, more than just a servant. He was an actual thing. And also with the, uh, the way the poster is, I mean, it's, it's you know they they really wanted to push the robot clearly because it's a scene that's not included in the film. Yeah, he is iconic, but he wasn't ever carrying Alta away. No, no, but it's it's sold in the fifties. Yeah, you know, it's, it's sold it's sold in the fifties itself. Is that the original poster or just one of the ones that have come up? In no, it's the okay. original. Oh, that with Robbie carrying Alta. Yeah, I assume that's Alta. I think so, yeah. Blonde lady. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really like... This movie itself, I mean, I would say for people who are going to watch this, we're not going to go through everything, but if you're like... This is one of those I could... You could picture a very young Hogarth, you know... (laughs) Watching uh, it. (laughs) Watching it in the middle of the night from the... uh, the Iron Giant movie, yeah, yeah, you know, watching it while shoving, uh, while shoving a can of whipped cream in a Twinkie, yeah, yeah, you know, don't eat anything bad tonight, Hogarth. Well, the movie he was watching, mm. I don't know if it's based on anything specific, but there were like monster B movies with like giant brain monster yeah. things. I mean, this this is a decent B movie. Itself, I don't know. Yeah, I, I. I don't know what I was expecting because uh, you got you were kind of tired, but just because of your long work day, so we ended oh. up watching it in a couple of pieces. Yeah, I mean it's, it's a decent B movie, and it's very very it's. I mean, you go in go into this with very low expectations. Yeah, 
I mean, I just, I keep thinking about things I would have changed. Yeah. Um, like, there was so much mm-hmm. fucking filler, and you didn't really get much to, mm-hmm. to much plot stuff. Right. And, but then again, my perception might be a little fucked up because of the whole, we, you know, watched it in, like, technically three sessions, because there was the... We made it halfway through, but you were very, very tired, mm. and we were both kind of confused about some stuff the character said, and I was like, did I miss something? He's, like, asking her, what, you don't know? Uh, and I'm like, about what? Like, why the t- why would the tiger not recognize her and jump at her, and that's why he disintegrated the tiger? Mm. It, um. I don't think us as the audience know either why the tiger didn't recognize her. I was totally confused. And right. It is something that, you know, you're you're just going to have to wait for because eventually things are going to be explained. Yeah, it was, uh, it was okay, but it's like crammed into the last 15 minutes of the movie. Right. Wait. You, you kind of just let it ride. I mean... Just some things in pop culture with this is that there's a um, quite a few things that you know this really inspired, which makes it even elevates it even higher. Mm. Uh, Stephen King's The Tommyknockers, Altar Fours, or references of, as a, the home planet of the aliens. Gene Roddenberry, who created Star Trek, noted that this was the big inspiration uh, to do it. Because I can't help but see the crew on the ship and th- yeah. think of how Star Trek did some of the shit better. <laughs> yeah, I mean... And, Color-coded yeah. uniforms! Uh, and uh, in uh, Doctor Who, the uh, the serial Planet of Evil is based on the Forbidden Planet. That's actually one of the really, really early ones um, that mm-hmm. started... That's, uh, actually, that was a Tom Baker, uh, Tom Baker series. Mm-hmm. Um... Here and uh, just to go through a few, uh, the outer limits. Uh, there's an episode called "Man with the Power," which <laughs> you know, which revisits the person's subconscious manifesting into a destructive, murderous entity. Oh, Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, well, I vaguely recall yeah. Old World Blues. Yeah. So the uh, yeah, and that too, and then in the Mass Effect game. While examining the yeah, while examining the planets and the Gagarian system of the Armstrong of the Armstrong Nebula, specifically on the planet Junther survey feed, there's a reference made to the monsters from the id, which we will have to explain. Yeah, yeah. So the um, there's others, you know, that have you know, like obviously, I think one of the biggest ones was Lost in Space. Yeah. You know, like, you saw that, I'm like, yeah, I could already hear it's Danger Will Robinson. I know, right? And, uh, you know, and the, there were a couple other ones what Robbie was, was featured in, too. What's that? Oh, yeah, I wanted to uh, ask about that. When they say uh, Robbie the Robot, do they mean, like, the robot, is the actor w- included in yeah. that, or just, like, the Well, the physical suit. Thing. I mean, that, that thing is so bulky, I kind of yeah. hesitate to call it a suit, because I kind of think of it like a statue, almost. True. It moves and looks like he has a um, a, an old-timey cash register in, in his window head. <laughs> I like the jauntiness of his oh. uh, in circular antenna thingies, how there's one sticking out the side, one on the top. It, it just yeah. gives... 
gives him like a jaunty Astro Boy kind of thing going on with his whatever, not his um, hair analog, I guess. Oh, he was in Lost in Space. Nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. So where he battles the robot while Robbie's appearance are generally consistent with expectations. So oh, Lost in Space robot had a yeah. kind of a frisbee-ish head with lights yeah. in it and um the hook hand. Oh, things. He, yes, I remember this. It was in uh, he was in Mork and Mindy too. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, did he show up in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I don't think so. In the so. background of the line? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think that was the originals. Oh, wait. I'm just yeah. conf... Oh, I, the robot that showed up in that one was uh, the original... Um, Marv? Was it Marv? Marvin the Martian, the, yeah. Oh, no, no. The depressed android. Yeah. Mar yeah, Marvin the paranoid android. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. I just figured there was a lot of... Probably pop culture crap in the background. Yeah, yeah it was. Um, yeah, it was the original. Um, but mostly a lot of a lot of it was uh, Robbie the Robot, voiced by many different people over the years, but also made several appearances. But this is the first time a robot was a main character, including like in the Invisible Boy. Well, I wouldn't call him a main character in this movie. I mean, my perspective is from, like, um, the, the Dramatica theory of writing, but yeah. the main character would be the character whose personal journey we're kind of following, the character in whose shoes you kind of are. Well, I mean, he is one of the mains because he's an integral part of the story. Include, in a co colloquial yeah. way, yeah. I guess you could say he's one of, like, the main cast, but not, like, the main character. Yeah, in a... But still, I mean, if he wasn't there, a lot of things wouldn't get done. Well, I felt like this movie had a, a shit ton of, um, I don't know if you could call it filler exactly, but just some long meandering explanation shit that could just be cut. Well, I mean, I think that was the style at the time. Like an onion in the belt? Yeah, like an onion in the belt, which was the style <laughs> at the time. But I think, you know, with this, I mean, it's like you... You go to see these, and a lot of, like, a lot of movies, especially in the 50s, were catered towards young or, you know, young single women. What? In reality, because what what they wanted to do at this time was there was these ones that, okay, a guy takes you to the movies, and you get a little time to cuddle every now and then. Or uh. it's like, okay, you get this little time to have... And it was um, also it was it ended up being geared towards kids eventually. Mm. Um, in this movie itself, I mean, is uh, there's some good parts to it. I mean, there's some eh. weird shit. Yeah, but I think a lot Confusing of it at the shit. time it was just because people probably. I mean, you saw this. It was either at a theater or it was at a drive-in, and the drive-in you ain't paying attention to half of it anyway. Until mm. some stuff goes on. Did their radios, like, shut off after predetermined times, like, when we tried to go watch drive-ins? Well, that was because the car we had kept dying. Oh. That was because of the battery that was there. Yeah, we had to keep fucking around with the radio, and that was distracting. Yeah. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, I forgot what we saw then. Ratatouille? Was it Ratatouille? Well, I 
I've been to a drive-in exactly two times. Uh, One when I was a kid with my parents, and another time with you and Bob. And oh, I, yeah. that's when we saw Ratatouille, I think. Yeah, and that was because there was an issue with the car we had at the time. Oh, okay. That it kept dying. But yeah, there, there was. I don't know if it's still around, but there was a place in Rhode Island that had a drive-in. Stuff. Oh, it's still going. Oh, well, it's still going. That makes sense. And it's, yeah. Well, not so much in the fucking sub-zero winter yeah. right now, but yeah. in general. Oh, it's it's thriving now. Oh, I I bet. Yeah, it's thriving right now. <laughs> You want to social distance? How about some car lengths Everybody away? stay in your car, yeah. Yeah, I want to go again. Mm. That sounds like fun. But, um... Well, this summer. We should probably explain the basic... Okay, so it's, it's the 23rd century. Da, da, da. And the pl- the United Planet Starship C-57D C-thir- reaches the distant planet of Altar 4. There's never been a lady on the moon, has there? I don't think so. That made me kind of sad, because uh, they were uh, talking about, oh, yes, by the late 20th, se- 21st century. Wait. Uh, okay, the last century. The 1900s. That was the 20th century. I don't fucking know. Uh, yeah, the 21st maybe, century. It's even, okay, I guess by the end of the 21st century, maybe people will go back to the uh, fucking moon. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, this uh, ship is out to see where what happened to Dr. Edward Morpheus, not Morpheus. <laughs> They're here, so they sent out 20 years ago, and then he's never been found and never reported back. So they want to go ahead, they want to land, but the, uh, the he's ship... He's all like, his, I found his warnings kind of confusing. Yeah. Because he's kind of like, you know, don't do it if you dare, but he won't explain why. Yeah. And so I, uh, but... They're like, well, we were sent here on a mission. We can't just go back empty-handed. And he's all reluctantly, he, he warns them. But it's like, are you going to shoot at them? Or is there a danger on this planet? Turns is, out, is this planet just a breakfast machine? <laughs> it just shoots, yeah. It turns out to be there is a danger on the planet. But, you know, yeah. he could have clarified that. Well, then we wouldn't have had movie. Shut up. <laughs> uh, so there's the Commander John Adams, who was played by Leslie Nielsen, and the lieutenants, uh, Lieutenant uh, John Farman and the Doc Ostro, are met by Robbie the Robot. They take him to Morpheus' Morbius's residence. <laughs> I'm not going to let that go. I'm just glad Morbius had, like, a, a goatee and yeah. a more distinct look. Yeah. So, Morbius describes how all of the members of the expedition were killed, including the wife that he took uh, on the way down there. Later, they had a daughter, but they're immune to uh, whatever killed them. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, there's a monster that ripped him limb from limb, but um, I don't know why he does I wasn't buying this at this point. I immediately, I'm like, he killed somebody. Yeah, it's pretty suspicious. And yeah. then I started wondering, how did he build that house? Right. And he also, oh yeah, I built Robbie, who speaks 180 something, 180 languages. I mean, he's a linguist, but I mean, maybe, I wonder if that was hinting at the whole IQ thing. And later on, where, you know, the whole alien plans is how he ended up getting mm-hmm. the knowledge to build Robbie. But still, where, where are these resources coming right. from? So Morbius offers to help them. Yeah, Morbius offers to help them out, but he, uh, you know, Adam says he can't go. He can't without further instructions from Earth. 
So he's basically like stuck there for gonna be stuck there for ten days or something like that. Yeah, enough to find love. Yeah, cause um, uh, I don't know. I I would have done things differently with Alta, cause uh, I feel like she should have been more eccentric for somebody who basically lived on the planet alone with their dad and maybe your mom for a little bit. Right. But just living with your parents alone on a planet for your whole life. Something something I read on Reddit yeah. randomly was people said that there's something called a a homeschool accent. I don't know mm, what that is, but yeah, I would think she'd have some kind of accent. Yeah, because it didn't seem like she had access. To, I don't know if she had access to like you know videos and books and shit. Hmm. Because she, I mean. She seemed pretty normal, except uh, she, you know, horny, and she wants to. She wants the men's, oh. <laughs> and um, uh, she didn't know like social norms about kissing and stuff. Yeah, I mean, she's wearing the clothes that makes her attractive to oh, men. God. That night, the invisible blaming. Yeah, there's the invisible intruder sabotages some equipment. They also, you know, display the uh, defense system of the house, which is some really interesting stop-motion animation. Oh, that was kind of adorable. Yeah. I'm like, remember when we were kids and we figured out how to make things appear on camera <laughs> by starting it? I mean, stopping it and yeah. stopping it. Hell, I wrote a, I wrote a whole little short film uh. when I was in high school about that, when I figured that out. I have a little handheld camcorder yeah. with a big red record button. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. I figured out how to do that, and I wrote a whole script on that for, uh... Yeah, it got me the film nerd presidency, so... Speaking of effects, um, they have these laser blaster things, and... Yeah. I don't know, man. It's kind of cool, but it's also... it It's also weird-looking the way... I don't know, man. The blast... I, I didn't know they were doing animating on top of film like that until, like, Tron. I didn't right. really think about it much. So I was kind of surprised to see this fluidly animated glowing, um, like... And it wasn't just, like, a, a phaser blast, like, rectangle thing, tube. It, it was... It, it dissipated. Or whatever was disintegrated dissipated. It I don't know. It just... It was a good animation. But I mean, I think it was that, whimsical somehow. Yeah, I think you know because this this had some involvement with the growing Disney Corporation. Yeah, there was something Disney esque about yeah, it. And, and there was only like, but it was one of the rare collaborations because you think of you think of Walt Disney movies, <laughs> especially with excuse me, especially with the classics, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, Cinderella, yada yada, and you have all of those, but you have those types of movies that really, they, they did all those in the 40s, and then for about 30, 40 years, they did some really bizarre movies. Like the cheap live action stuff, like in the 60s and 70s? Yeah, they did, they did, and then in the 50s too. Oh, they like did some the cat from outer space. Yeah, they did some bizarre <laughs> movies that were just like, "What are you doing?" And you know where people were still they were still relying on the on the classics that they put it in their vaults. But then stuff for years, it's just like, okay, Disney's still a thing, and this was before they created Disney World. 
So it's really just out of the ordinary shit. You're like, what is going on? I just, I just, I saw unexpected animation and I thought it, it just seemed whimsical, but kind of out of place, but impressive. Yeah. You also notice too, is the thing with the phasers is that not a single person pulled the trigger. All they did was point and it started moving. And then there's, that's a Disney-esque thing as well. Because Disney for a think about it. Yeah. Disney for a while had a thing where after Bambi, they didn't have very many deaths. You know, like you saw, you know, Bambi's mom died and it's like, oh my God. But they really didn't have like a, you know, something where they, sh- they viscerally showed a death until the Lion King. And that's why the Lion King had, you know, for many reasons, but the Lion King had so much impact. Especially with that, it's like you see Mufasa dead. Yeah, you, you don't and, get that scene. No, not at all. I mean, you see it dead, and that's one of those, like, holy shit. And that one I will never forget, because I remember that's one of the rare times I saw my grandfather cry. And he he was an old-style, you know, World War II veteran. Aww. And here, and he is, like, he's not just, just, like, a little bit of tears. He's, like... In the movie, in the movie theater chair, crying just like a little girl, Uh. you know, and I I don't mean to sound sexist, but it was just like that. It was just like, you see this war hardened old man. Emotions poured forth from his eyeballs. Yeah. This war, you know, very like, well, if you, if you, if you saw him, it's like, okay, that guy fought. He's seen shit. Yeah. Like, you know, that guy saw shit, but when you see him and all of a sudden you see him start to cry, it's like, oh my God. He's, he's you know, traumatized like, by cartoon it moved, lions. It moved him. Like, yeah. you know, so like for years you have this and you have this type of thing where you have effects. And like, it made me think like, all right, this is a, you know, it, it's Disney-esque, but you know, where you, and, uh, you know, Disney's involved, but it's mainly an MGM vehicle. But MGM also had this thing for years where you didn't have a lot of violence. Oh. You know, it didn't show a ton of stuff. Like, and this was, you know, they, they did some big stuff as well. You know, like, I think one of the biggest MGM movies of all time, Casablanca. I'm not familiar with them yeah. other than, you know, the iconic lion roaring in the circle thing. Yeah. But that's... off the top of my head, I can't think of what yeah. movies they did. Right. That and at Disney World, they had MGM Studios before they changed it. Right, but... When I was a kid, that's what that section yeah. was called. MGM, I mean, MGM basically did almost everything for years and years and years, mm-hmm. but they also, like, you know, now they're they're owned by Amazon, mm-hmm. which is really, really odd to even think about, but the big, one of the biggest things MGM ever did was uh, James Bond, oh. I think, in a more recent aspect. Do they but, still use the line? Oh, yeah. I like oh, yeah. the line. Yeah. But I, um, I like cats. So. Yeah, I mean it is still it's very different. But the um, well, back to where we were here. I mean, you have all this stuff, and you have like different visuals, like you know, Altair's dress that's you know very clearly supposed to catch the eye of people. Oh no, it's a short dress, and oh, she blended in with Look her surroundings. Yeah, yeah, there was well, this, this weird fucking thing because <laughs> what I don't understand is. Why is this? Why is this an all dude ship? I mean, if if you know any everybody space travels, it just 
I mean, obviously it's needed for the plot. Not even needed for the plot. It's just, okay, they're all kind of horny, and then there's, they kind of take advantage of Alta, the two of them, a little bit. Um, Yeah. That's that's uncomfortable, because she doesn't know much about the rules of kissing, so I don't even know which guy was the one trying to convince her it was like a health thing. What about the cook uh, wanting a whole bunch of liquor? Oh, that was... That that, was funny as shit. Yeah. That was great. That was pretty random, too. Would 60 gallons do? 60 gallons of Tennessee whiskey? Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Robbie had some neat features, like, if you... But again, it's one of those things that didn't add up to much that they spent too long explaining. Right. Yeah. Like, um... Okay, he, you can give him a little bit of food or beverage or whatever the hell, and then he can reproduce it exactly. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that just explains where they got food from, but I wasn't, there was a lot of plants around, so I didn't know if the plants had come from, were brought over from Earth, but later mm-hmm. on, that's kind of explained. Yeah. An- another thing I thought was kind of interesting was uh, most of the foliage was like red. Like that purplish red, like certain kinds of maple trees are, mm. and I, I don't know. I remember it being mentioned um, in various stuff I've read about what alien planets could be like, how life might evolve differently, and and the idea of uh, plants photosynthesizing using red pigment that that's come up. So that was kind of neat. Another confusing thing was um, when. Alta talked about that she had no friends, or her dad was talking about that, or that she has friends. Oh, show show them. And then she takes out this, like, a dog whistle and whistles, and then here come two earth deer. And I'm like, okay. And then here comes a freaking tiger. And then I'm thinking, holy crap, did your old spaceship just have animals on board? What the hell did they do with them? And that was one of the things that the Krell left behind because they were, you know, they said 20,000 centuries ago, which was the weirdest way to say 200,000 years. Yeah. 20,000 centuries ago. No, it was 2,000 centuries. Oh, oh whatever. But, uh, you know, it's enough, enough time has passed, but. You know, it also made me remember that basically Alta is a uh, Disney princess. Yeah, because she's yeah. basically yeah. seems to have Beastmaster powers because, yeah. okay, you have deer and a tiger, and she's explaining that the tiger is tame and wouldn't hurt her. And she's, I guess, well, she doesn't really command them, but kind of. Yeah, well, that's that was basically, it was, uh, it was film theory. It was Matt Pat. Oh. On YouTube, he basically went through to explain. He's like, "What is the requirements to be a Disney princess?" In uh, here, and it all, yeah, all it, it really that's there's two: <laughs> wear a dress and be friends and be friend with or control animals. That's it. I guess the dress part rules out Aquaman. Yeah, but the uh, but it also. One of the funny things is because it also actually now technically because Fox bought was bought out by Disney, that means uh, that means Klinger is a Disney princess. <laughs> Wait, when did he control animals? 
He had the, uh, there's an episode where he dressed like Dorothy, which is also an MGM, uh, Wizard of Oz, also an MGM thing, but he dressed like Dorothy and they found out he had a Toto the whole time. Oh, and, that's uh, yeah, cute. and he also took over when Radar went home, he took over the care of all his animals. Well- I was just thinking of Radar because they were yeah. they put that dress on Radar that they were tailoring for the the wedding, for the wedding episode. Yeah. And Radar was the one who kept the animals, so he'd be more of the Disney prince. Yeah, but he. Uh, but and I wish I could if I could you draw choose that to wear would, a dress, and you're you have some control over animals. You are a Disney princess. Okay. Yeah. So just I would totally draw Mash Disney yeah. princesses. If yeah, I, if it I knew. made uh, it's basically made yeah. If I felt like bothering. Clinger, Clinger is a Disney princess. It literally is true. But that's, yeah. but that just, uh, I don't know what that was supposed to add up to, because I, I don't know if we're going to talk about the twist, so before the twist comes. Uh, I mean, you can if, jump in. If they have I mean, the it's... same origin as the monster, or yeah. if they're just, oh yeah, some, cause the aliens picked up some animals and brought them back to their planet, and so... That's why we got two deer and a freaking tiger and a random tiny monkey that shows up and doesn't even do anything. Just gets hit with some kind of repelling beam by Robbie. Yeah. Which, um, okay. That's didn't do anything. More filler. Um, but yeah, the, the thing with the animals gets weird again. Um, sort of interwoven with the, um, kind of the romance thing going on because I forget which dude was like, you know, um, stretching some facts about uh, what kissing means to humans. That was Dr. Ostro. Okay, because him yeah. and the other dude that got killed later, I... I yeah. Brown hair guy. I Yeah, to me, I mean, it's I very interchangeable. Now, the cook had a hat right. <laughs> and an apron and a boyish face and like a different thing with his hair going on. So I, yeah, could pick which him even out. later when you see him without the hat, it's kind of like, wait, who are you again? Yeah, but then and it's like, met, yeah. oh, your hair kind of comes down like a little triangle thing rather than being combed back with gel in a stereotypical fifties mm. way. So, right, right. Um, like somebody's pipe smoking dad. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So that guy was, um, you know making out with her a little bit and then um the i want to call him the captain but he was a skipper so well, his nickname was skipper but he was uh, the head of the crew okay leslie nielsen um adams yeah. yeah uh he comes along and you know tells him to get lost and uh he's mm. kind of looking out for her but they end up making out pretty quick too yeah it's it's a weird thing, but then they get to where... I kind of like the moment when he, he finds her swimming in the pond, and um, she asks, what's a... And he's like, oh, I don't want to look unless you have a bathing suit or something. She's like, what's a bathing suit? I don't even remember that. Well, because it looked like she was naked under in the water, and then she hid behind some bushes to put on her new dress she made. Oh. Because he got mad about, you know... Kind of unfairly blaming her for tempting the man, I guess. Mm. Um, and then he apologized uh, the next day. But she had made a new modest dress just for him because, well, uh, she uh, likes him and has emeralds lying around, I guess. Or Robbie made them? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, oh, yeah, that's when yeah, the tiger. Rob- Robbie made the dress, yeah. 
for some reason they end up kissing and stuff for some reason um and then the tiger leaps at her and then he pulls out his ray gun and disintegrates the tiger and i don't know what what they were intending with it but i liked what they did with this scene because they just stand there frozen staring at where the tiger had been before it vaporized into a glowing cartoon uh smoke or whatever you want to call it smoke well because it wasn't really smoke it was like disintegration vapor Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and i'm just like oh my god you fucking killed her cat she she she's going to kill you (laughs) if you killed my cat i would fucking kill you but um well i mean this is a 50s movie not john wick (laughs) yeah well uh, i don't know um but i agree with you though but he's like i'm sorry but tiger was gonna kill you and she's like he didn't recognize me why didn't he recognize me and then then i just loved that pause that was overly long but it built up some tension Mm. Like, oh man, is she gonna understand or is she gonna want to kill you? Because mm. that was her fucking friend. I think also it symbolizes her trying to grow up. Mm, probably, you know, it's like okay, one of her, somebody just died or something, or mm. you know, not one of the pets just died. Like, oh my god, they're like, what happened? I was kind of picturing yeah. like maybe she's kind of like Princess Jasmine, and you yeah. know, Jasmine had a tiger for a friend. Yeah, and I don't think she fucking appreciate having her tiger friend vaporized. No, but uh, she was more shocked that I guess about the whole <sighs> tiger didn't recognize her, and the captain um ate. Bleh. I don't know what to call him. <laughs> Captain? Well, he's... He says, oh, you don't... That he holds her, and then he says, oh, you don't know? Mm. That's never explained. You know, no, it's, it doesn't. I mean, it's still... It's it's the onion in the belt moment, because these movies themselves, were, which are very much B-movies in style at the time, you know, things aren't really explained. It's just something to help move things forward. I think if you want to analyze enough, I think it's also like her who you have somebody who's lived with her parents all their life who's in one state and then, you know, her mom died. So she probably, I don't want to say like in a bad way, but mentally didn't grow past a certain point. She's, you know, innocent. Yeah, an innocent kid. And now suddenly like the tiger who she's had presumably all her life probably is now uh, is now dead. So now it's like, okay, you got to move on, which symbolizes also the need that she needs to move on and leave the planet. Yeah, that's another uh, at some point, yeah. source of conflict is she's totally down to go <sighs> go down, go to the man ship and, like, yeah. go back to Earth and see what Earth is like. But her dad, he's mm. he likes working in solitude. And as we find out, he has a mm. very interesting and large project to study that right. he doesn't want fuckheads from earth interfering with for a good reason yeah now this is you know where he's studying artifacts with the krell left behind um an advanced race that perished overnight two hundred thousand years before this device that enhances intellect that morbius used uh he barely survived the intellectual capacity that uh, that had doubled what he had but there's another 20 Gave miles. 184 IQ. Yeah, there's another 20 miles of it, and there's 20 miles in either direction. You didn't explain what it is. Yeah, there's a 
a functioning machine. It's it's uh, like some kind of large power generating yeah. thing. It I feel like there's some techno babble. Yeah. Um, and it's uh-huh. majestic and, and massive, but I, it dragged on too long. Yeah. I assume it uses geothermal shit. I don't know. Well, it's a th- it's um, basically functioning. It's nine nine thousand two hundred thermonuclear reactors. Um, here, Adams tells Morbius that if he uh, shares discoveries with Earth, however, Morbius refuses because humanity is not ready to receive this limited po- unlimited power yet. And Adams points out, "Oh, yeah. you're, that that machine just made you the custodian of uh, what people deserve and don't deserve." I yeah. mean, humans aren't a monolith, but I mean, yeah. Morbius has a point. But at the same time, not everyone's a piece of shit. But enough people, I don't fucking know. Well, I mean, we, I mean, it's still, like, I think it's, this is another sign of the time thing where it's like, they overly explain, it's sort of like a weird, you know, HGTV thing where they overly explain a house mm. or something. Oh, this is the breakfast nook we built. Or like, and they go through, oh, how he built all this other stuff. And I think, you know, he also. He found a bunch of yeah. instructions. With, and I found it kind of yeah. weird, like. I guess it was like hieroglyphics, but nobody, none of the aliens thought to draw a picture of themselves. No, that's that's uh, yeah. that's a hilarious oversight. Yeah. <laughs> so Adams erects the force field defense around the starship, but the uh, intruder eluded and murders the chief engineer Quinn. And we get to see some effects, yeah. while not totally convincing, are kind of neat. Like a giant footprint would just sink in the sand, showing you there's an invisible monster. I liked how they did that. It made me. It gave me some yeah. fond memories of my favorite yeah. Martian. Yeah, they had I, some I, neat little. I effects. liked how they did that a lot. I gotta say though, they yeah. didn't seem to have much weight to them, and I think that's because mm. I imagine a mechanism being under the sand or dirt or whatever mm. uh, that would sink to yeah. give the impression of weight, but. Around a foot, the sand will kind of come up a little bit, like a little right. bump before going down. I think it was something that might have been done in reverse. Like, you know, they had the imprint of the foot already prepared, and they simply just reversed it. But how do they make it in the to begin with without a thing lifting? Like, yeah. Well, how they did that is just had the, they had the imprint of it. You know, if they did it in reverse, you had you know, maybe something underneath push everything up to level. So if you had if you had the difference where it's like, okay, they did it in oh, reverse. Oh, okay, yeah. I see. Yeah, so if it, if you did it in reverse, it looked you know, it looked like a footprint going down. But you're saying it's a footprint going up. Yeah. I, I thought you meant like putting yeah. it down, like yeah. making yeah. an impression with an object, which yeah. wouldn't work in reverse because you'd still see the thing going down. Exactly. But if it's a mechanism going go underneath the sand mm-hmm. that's pushing up. So it makes the sand level. Oh. So if they already had that, I think what they did is they did they did that whole sequence in reverse. So when you show it in reverse, it looks like an invisible monster put doing a footprint. Even forwards, it would still if you had a machine underneath yeah. going down to create yeah. the. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Um, is this when we see the monster, or is it not? It's not, not until yet. no. The monster murders somebody. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed we didn't get to see any of the mess. Other, we just heard a description that he was all over the room. Yeah. One one of the guys I can't remember 
got killed. I don't know if it was the the one that had been hitting on Alta or the other guy. It was no. one of the other guys that we don't really oh, okay. see too much. It was one of the chief engineers, but I think the... Oh, the uh, doc yeah, dies later. Yeah, the cook is the one that I think at this time, though, there's also one of my favorite scenes. Is where he gave he just, Robbie some booze? Where yeah, Robbie gave him the booze, where it's like, oh. okay, there's 60 gallons of Tennessee whiskey. Well, he gave him a little booze earlier. Yeah, which apparently... They, there's a quick line a little later when they're all regrouping at the ship. Yeah. I don't know if you caught it, but he's like, okay, all that whiskey. Apparently, he drank a ton of it, mm. and it hit the the whiskey did not give him a hangover. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, like that. That's a very fast line. So it's like, okay, it's engineered for peace. I kind of, I <sighs> kind of wish we'd gotten a, just to see the cook one last time, know that it was okay at yeah. the end. <laughs> Right, yeah. I think he was in the mix when everybody when everybody left. But he does kind of his comic relief does kind of serve a plot function because yeah. when he's uh, the part where we end up seeing the monster get no, um, no, it's before that. It's this part. Yeah. We don't see the monster get trapped in the fence yet. That's a another night. But right. This time when because he was meeting Robbie, that crosses him off the list of suspects. As if the whole giant monster footprint thing didn't already do that. Right, yeah. Yeah, they, then um, the force fields up there, so that night the monster returns. The blasters don't really hurt it, but the ah. creature kills Farman and two other crew. Does, is Mo this when we see the outline uh, of the monster? Sorry. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, now is where we see someone, but Morbius awake, is awakened by Alturus' screams, and then the creature vanishes. A little bit of a clue on what's going on. Yeah, that so. I've again. It was the animation thing because you just see bits of it, glowing animation, yeah, beam things. It's kind of cool, but yeah. a little silly looking because it's like, is this like a lion, bear, ape thing with two legs? Mm. Yeah, the uh, Adams tries to persuade uh, Altair to leave. Ashro. Um, Sneaks away to, to use the Krell intellect enhancer, and he's fatally injured by it because there's just way too much for his peanut-sized ape brain. Uh, I mean, I think Morbius only survived because he practiced with the tube machine that you you make yeah. the um, thingy inside it go up with your mind. Yeah, I think he did just little by little. Like yeah. he just did it. He did it so gradually over twenty years. He was able to survive. And even then, he was knocked out for like a day and a half. Yeah, yeah, but it's just little by like you know. And I just picture like the Keanu Reeves thing. Like he knew too much. We knew too much. It, it was like a. It yeah. reminded me of. Isn't that a breath test? Sort of like that, where there's yep. a little ball floating in water. Yeah, in a, a little breathalyzer test, yeah. In a uh, cylinder, and you got to make the little ball go up. Yeah. Yeah, that's an but old, that's an old style like that. breathalyzer test, yeah. But for your brain, and yeah. it was like a, I don't know, a plate thing inside. Yeah, so Krell, the Krell machine can create whatever it wants by thought alone. But Which the, has uh, something to do with the power plant thingy. Yeah. The monsters from, uh, I wonder if that's how he created his house. I don't know. You'd yeah. think he would figure out what was going on, though, if he... Yeah. Oh, here's my house, I imagined. Yeah. So the machine actually gave those... Uh, the uh, could conclude monsters from the id. 
and the machine gave the krells some conscious desire free reign and unlimited power oh, and this caused was, their extinction it was they kept calling it something to do with um make things without instrumentality mm. i'm not entirely sure what that is but i just mm. remember that being like the big fat plan going on in neon genesis evangelion was something called mm. the instrumentality yeah so i guess i i assumed they just wanted to be like energy beings and right. just kind of float around like space ghosts space <laughs> but right. i guess they just wanted to make shit and um mm. They weren't completely perfect either, so their subconscious generated all kinds of terrible things. Mm. And um, I wish there would have been more evidence that, uh, I don't know, with their giant monsters just tearing down their cities? That would be cool to have evidence of. Yeah. yeah Other than, so. oh yeah, we're in a fucking desert. Yeah, so the uh, Adams concludes that Morbius' subconscious mind uh, must have made the machine create the creature. And that's why they were immune to it. Yeah. And when they say immune to it, they mean the monster wouldn't go after that. And the wife died of unrelated causes, right? Yeah. Um, Like disease, <laughs> not a monster. <clears throat> yeah, so Altera tells Morbius that she's going to leave with Adams. And, uh, Robbie... Because they're in love! <laughs> yeah. Robbie detects the creature approaching, but Morbius commands Robbie to kill it, but the yeah. robot starts shutting down because... As, as we he, saw before. Yeah, because he has a, pro, a pre-programmed nature to not hurt humans. Yeah, he's got one of those paradox things mm. that makes robots explode mm. in fiction mm. sometimes. No, one of the fatal flaws of this movie that I gotta say is that they... They don't show some things. Like, the monster's going after Morbius after it beats its way into the, uh, into the lab, and Morbius, like, okay, I give up, you get me. And then you see the it's shot, a, it's like. It's a budget saving invisible yeah, monster. <laughs> it's like the, it's like the blob when they had the, uh, you know, the blob when they had Everyone's like, oh, staring no, at the fire. Look at the fire. It's de it's destroying things. Oh look, they got it. Oh, they're just describing something yeah. that we can't see. Yeah, <laughs> to just save budget. Yeah, yeah, very, very different. And I'm like, that's like I kind of wanted to at least like Edward Pigeon himself was actually a very good. And as I don't know a lot about him, but I did see him in something else where he was a very good physical actor. Hmm. And I just would want to see somebody like. um I don't know, maybe it's like a brief little fantasy casting thing, but Edward Pigeon, I think, would be really funny if it was Jim Carrey. <laughs> and just, like, yeah. see this and just see, like, somebody miming an attack by an invisible well, monster or something. Well, one of the guy, the uh, space sailor guys got mm. picked up by the partially animated monster when it was stuck in the fence, and that was kind of a good yeah, that effect. Yeah, was, that, was that was a great effect. But I would just want to see in this scene, I would just want yeah. to see, like, the doctor battling himself, but they don't see anything. You just see, like, the doctor moving. That would be kind of unintentionally hilarious, though. Yeah, now, but then it would have been really funny. So, yeah, uh, Morbius... That's what I said. It'd yeah. be hilarious. Yeah. I don't think that's yeah. the tone they're going for. Yeah, true, but... Morbius dies, and uh, the planet explodes. Yeah, before he does, but yeah, here's another part of it that I didn't like. It's like, okay, 
I want you to pull that lever. Okay. Push that button. Okay. You have to get 100 million miles away right now because the planet's going to explode. With me on it. Yeah. And you just want to look at it like, wait, wait, why? Like, why didn't you tell us like, okay. Because they would have said, no, we have to save this technology for Earth people. Yeah, or save or whatever, but it's just like, can you, like, like you respect Leslie, like, and maybe I'm used to it because Leslie Nielsen is just, like, Leslie Nielsen, but you expect, yeah. like, Leslie Nielsen to, like, you know, look at him and just, like, it's it's difficult with an audio-only meme uh, medium that we have here, but Leslie Nielsen also, like, from Airplane On did this really cool thing where he would just look, especially, like... A deadpan look? Yeah, he had this deadpan thing, especially like in Police Squad, you know, where he would just look at somebody like, what the hell? Like, what, really? Like, why do you want us to do this now, Captain? Because I said so. Okay. And I just ex- you expect, like... Well, they didn't have much choice because the monster was denting in this uh, giant, this yeah. super dense metal door, yeah. and it was... Glowing with, um, yeah. as the monster was somehow heating its way through. Yeah. I mean, you. Which was kind of a cool yeah. effect. I mean, at this point, I mean, I kind of expect, I remember, like, I don't know, did you ever see Naked Gun? I don't know. Yeah, well, like, the Naked Gun movies is one of the, like, really big famous scenes is where they would do this, and it was like, uh, Leslie Nielsen and a girl that he was with that are like, I practice protection. I wear condoms, and they're having sex, but they're in full body condoms. <laughs> Like, they're in giant condoms head to toe. Mm. You know, and it's really one of those, like, you expect it, like, as they're, as they're, like, driving away, uh, riding away, you expect they're, like, in full body condoms or something. It just, uh, it's just, that's, like, that was one of the first exposures for me with Leslie Nielsen. So you think they'll get away in a spaceship in a condom? Yeah, it just, I They're expect, in a condom or the whole spaceship well, could be in a condom. Like, now he's, now he's with Alta and, like, they're, they're, they're floating away. You expect like him and Alta to have full body condoms because obviously they're the love interest. But that's just me because I, I'm, I'm trying to shoehorn in the sponsor in this. Oh, so, like, um, you should have. Oh, you could have done it when we were talking about the kissing. <laughs> but it is still, kissing. It's good for your health. <laughs> it's healthy uh, to uh, kiss. <laughs> so we obviously have a sponsor with AdamandEve.com. Adam and Eve here. Make your the, own forbidden yeah. planet in your yeah. home. <laughs> so we have that. There's the the Valentine's Day is really super big for AdamandEve.com. And, of course, with it coming up, you check out when you go to AdamandEve.com, you use almost any one item, you get up to 50% off. But that's not all. When you get, um, you, you get, you select There's one more. item, you get the free love, Valentine's Lover's Kit, which includes an item for him, special oh. toy for her. And, and something, you know, you both enjoy. The Ooh. Lover's Kit includes six free movies of your viewing pleasure, plus free shipping. So you go to adamandeve.com and be sure to use the offer code MTTM. That's MTTM as in movie theater time machine initials. Because without it, there's no free Valentine stuff. Mm. Adamandeve.com. Use that today. So... There's, um, I got questions. Yeah. And I also kind of, they could have taken Morbius, maybe. I, I mean, he was kind of, I don't know, 
passed yeah. out, but he's sort of wallowing in the whole, oh no, my subconscious hmm. monster almost killed my daughter because I didn't want her to go away with the men right. to, away from Earth and leaving me with my work. And I don't know. And presumably he didn't want the other guys around uh, taking his work back to Earth people that might abuse it. Uh, but um, he's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, he exploded. I guess. Yeah, it exploded in it. Yeah, it's one of the weird lines. It's like now you see it. It's like you expect these movies. Like some things are going to be really odd, but this movie itself, like where you see the end of it, like they're watching the the whole planet explode. They're like ninety six million miles away. We're in the clear. Alta should have been sadder. Yeah, you're like, you're like, yes, I know, dear. You will see everything. All the knowledge of the Krell, your father, and the entire planet all of it will gone. explode. It's all gone. Yeah, she's yeah. too stoic. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's like a reaction people just have when yeah. they're overwhelmed and things are just going so fast and yeah. crazy shit's happening. Maybe that is, but it just, I don't know. I feel like she should have been more... Messed up by the only place she's ever known and her dad. And who knows, were her animal friends a mental manifestation? Or were they just the animals brought back? If they were just animals brought back, why did she kind of have mastery over them? And why did the tiger jump at her? Does mm. it be like, you're wearing emeralds, I don't recognize you, I'm going to eat you. Mm. Well, if they took animals, why didn't they take humans? Because humans probably weren't around, or they they uh, they weren't advanced enough to be able to, you know. They took dumb tigers and yeah. deer, but not. I don't know. Well, cavemen? it was two hundred thousand years yeah. before. There was humans. Yeah, probably not as many. Yeah. Yeah, as they saw that. So there's actually interesting thoughts to know too. As I was just looking at some of this, um, the uh, Robbie the uh, robot was. Um, oh no. Oh, wait, he was on the ship. Yeah, he was on the ship. They saved yeah. him. Yeah, I was operated by a stuntman named Frankie Dario, who was fired shortly after an early beginning scene because he had a five-martini lunch prior to being shot, and he nearly <laughs> fell over uh, trying to walk inside the expensive suit. But the uh, Rob, kind of yeah. did, did Robbie make him do it? <laughs> Making him all that the, yeah. booze? <laughs> the Rob... <laughs> The in 2017, the original Robbie the Robot suit was offered up to auction, and uh, it sold for 5.3 million dollars. It was a new record for uh, the uh, auction itself. It surpassed four million dollars, uh, and uh, for the uh, the original uh, the original Bird and Maltese Falcon. So I mean, it is still one of the most the most valuable prop ever sold at auction ever. Oh, the Maltese Falcon didn't have a chip in it. Yeah, from being stabbed. <laughs> yeah, the um, that yeah. just ruin the value. Yeah, it there, has a chip in it. Apparently, there was a remake of this movie. Oh, uh, that they tried to get off the ground, but it never oh. happened. Uh, in 2009, it was reported the project was completely abandoned, uh, that a new script was requested, but it's yeah. never come about. Um, it would need some hammering. Yeah, the this is the also a story. It's uh, one of the first movies ever to have an entirely electronic soundtrack. Oh, yeah, 
that was something else that was mm. man. There were some freaky ass noises in this movie. I don't yeah. know whether noticing the soundtrack on and off is a good thing or not because you're kind of not supposed to. But then there was this one I point. Loved it. That it's like a cat walking on an electronic keyboard and a theremin and whale sounds, but a theremin mm. is it theremin or theremin? Theremin. Theremin making whale sounds. Yeah. And the alarms were kind of like those weird sounds, too. Gave it a kind of mm. an interesting, surreal retro, but alien space quality. Yeah. So that about does it for this one here for Forbidden Planet. I mean, it's still, it's it's a good movie. Uh, I, I enjoyed this one. I feel like yeah. it has, it would be, it has potential for further stories that would probably end up being better than this because i would have i when i was trying to guess okay is there something wrong with alta and mm -hmm. that's why he said oh you don't know like does she turn out to be an alien or a robot or <laughs> imaginary or i i was Ooh. thinking it would be cool <laughs> if um Rather than there be an actual monster, if it was some kind of space madness. Yeah. But then, if you had this machine that was making thoughts tangible, combine that with space madness, you could get yourself a a pretty weird thriller. With a lot of gritty reboots now, I mean, yeah. I think it would be. Yeah, yeah I think of think for a nowadays thing like this would be. This has all the makings of a great M Night Shyamalan movie. Okay. <laughs> With a really strange ass twist and all that other stuff, and it turns out it was him all along, and all that. Like, it well, had, that, this it, did kind of have a twist. Yeah, it has all the makings of an M Night Shyamalan movie. Like rather when than, he's good. Like rather than saying, "Oh, the this monster mm. came out of my id because this machine made it so," yeah. he was like, "It's me. That's it's my shadow me." It's yeah. Like, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, you see, it just, it really, like, it really has, it, it's, it's, to me, I think it's like if it was a modern day movie, if it's an M. Night Shyamalan thing, I'd be right in the front row. Another thing I would have loved to have seen is, okay, so this gigantic machine is, has been self-maintaining itself, or um, self-lubricating, as they said in the movie, hilariously, um, AdamandEve.com. Oh, damn. MTTM. Is there an offer code? Um, apparently, the self-maintaining, self-running machine that's been um, running for 2,000 centuries. Um, so the monsters... What happened? Where did the monsters go? Did the Could the monsters, or whatever is imagined by this machine, could it continue to exist beyond... If, even if the original person is killed? Um, I don't think so. Oh, man, because... Yeah. I mean, well, it's kind of confusing that the monster was invisible, because if, say, these aliens plan to just, you know, make, I don't know, TVs, you would think they would have to be visible. So, I don't know why this monster was invisible, except it was, um, so Morbius wouldn't figure himself out. I guess maybe. Oh, that's right. The monster—it was his unwillingness to return to Earth that um, manifested this monster that killed the other people. Mm. Right. To begin with, twenty years ago. Oh yeah, 
Okay. Yeah. But if these uh, items and creatures and shit could exist, continue to exist, that would be neat if you had, like, an entire planet full of fantastical alien nightmares. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. I mean, I think I'd like to see more than just invisible shit, but yeah. invisible shit could be kind of scary. It, it's still, it's, I, I would, and then I know maybe it's just because we saw something recently it's going to date it a little bit, but um, the Nostalgia Critic did a review of the movie Old, huh. and uh, it was just an M. Night Shyamalan movie, like when it's good, bad, or when it's bad, bad. And it's like, even when he's good, it's like, okay, but this is when it's so bad, it's amazing. He could write Alta's dialogue. Right, Because he yeah. writes weird dialogue, I guess. Right, yeah. And when you have the, um, like, where you have the, um, the M. Night Shyamalan doing all his M. Night Shyamalan stuff, and I think I like Doug Walker's joke with it. It's like, he rolled the dice, like, it's bad, but he's like, yeah, it rolled double bad, but then it turned into a Picasso painting. It's like, that's because it's so bad, it's good. I thought it was Van Gogh. Yeah. Starry Night? Yeah, or, or whatever. I mean, still, it's just like, it's, I, I still, I still love that joke. I mean, it's just, it's a perfect, I, I, I know we're not doing much with fantasy casting, but honestly, I would love to see M. Night Shyamalan take a hit, take a hit at a remake. And I think for, like, if you had, like, a, an old, like, you make this kind of uncanny, but an older Leslie Nielsen. In this, I think it still would be like, you know, or the, the I I like what I like about this movie is like the older the the gadgets that were of the future, but it's the fifties, like the weird microphone on his belt. Oh, and the yeah. the stereotypical looking ray guns. Yeah, the the yeah. But they were so shiny. Too, yeah, the so. ray guns or something like I I like a lot about this movie. I mean, it's mm. still I. It does. It's, it, um, have a lot of its archetype contained yeah. within it. Yeah, I would like to see, like, I would like to watch this with Dan and Jess. Hmm. Like, I would just like, it's just something to laugh at with the four of us. Like, you, even if you want to see, like, a bad, like, it makes me want to do, like, a month of these B-movies. Yeah. These weird-ass B-movies, personally. I just, I just, um, from what few B-movies I've <sighs> seen, I just hate that there's a, like a lack of depth, yeah. like there doesn't seem to be, like a a good story will usually have okay the plot that all the characters are objectively involved with, mm -hmm. but then you'll have a main character with like a personal problem that's tied up in in it. Right. I feel like the personal issues are usually poorly examined, and so it kind of leaves it feeling hollow. True. Yeah. Like okay, man, this. There's so much shit you could have done that with this idea of your nightmares or fantasies or whatever coming true, basically. I mean, okay, it's a trope in itself. But, I mean, so Alta must have, was like a little kid. And you know how little kids just imagine all kinds of crazy shit just playing. Right. I mean, shit. She would probably start seeing all kinds of weird little creatures everywhere. And then yeah. her parents would see them, and they, I mean, that would spoil the plot as it is, but mm. that would have been an interesting idea. Or when she's um, older, obviously she's uh, horny, so do you think she would imagine up a boyfriend or something? Mm. 
um, and then have like a secret ghost boyfriend. And now I'm picturing Tina Belcher with the shoebox <laughs> that the ghost she supposedly caught was in. <laughs> or I don't know. I would think uh. Morbius would start having hallucinations of his dead wife coming back to sex him and stuff. Mm. Yeah, if, if it was an M. Night Shyamalan movie, I think that would be all that, yeah. Oh my god, he could do some pottery. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> god, that stupid-ass movie. Or he could just wish her back, yeah. but yeah. I don't know. Then yeah. then they get along too well, and then he realizes, oh my mm. god, it's not really her, it's my ideal of her, or mm. how I remembered her. Mm. It's all fake! Ah! Twilight Zone. Yeah. Yeah, considering how much this influenced a lot of Twilight Zone, I wouldn't mm. really be surprised. The week after next, oh, we got a, we got a real good one. It's one I've been waiting to do. I have an excuse to do for a long fucking time. And we're closing in. Actually, next week is our fifth anniversary. Oh. Is our five-year anniversary. So, folks, we'll see you next time. Be good. Take care of yourself, but don't be too good. Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening. Movie Theater Time Machine is a part of the 4041 Media Group with podcasts like Psych Your Crime and Free Your Geek, which you can check out at 4041media.com. That's all squished together in one word, and the numbers are written as numbers. Now it's time to tell us what you think. If you got an opinion or wanted to know what's coming up next, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for Movie Theater Time Machine. Now our podcast will always be free. Free? To subscribe and share. But if you'd like to help us build a bigger, better podcast, not to mention our confidence, you can find merchandise designed by me, Kaz, at Zazzle. Or check out the Kaz Foxen's Animal Shop at Zazzle for cute animal gifts and pet supplies. Thanks so much, and back to the show.